Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. There comes a time in every man's life, and I, I'll say man and not as in women, I'm talking about men right now. There comes a time in every man's life when he finally decides that he no longer needs anybody's help. <laughs> I feel like that's every guy. You get to a certain age, some, for some it's really young, some it's older, and you get to something in your mind, and as you grow and mature, you're like, I don't need anybody's help. Like, honey, I got it, you know? Honey, I think we should ask for directions. No. I know where I'm going. I, I don't need any direction. Turn the GPS off. I, listen, I do that to myself even now. If I go to GPS one time, the next time I'm like, I'm gonna see if I can get it myself. And then I'm like, I don't know where I am right now, you know what I mean? You know, you're lifting a fridge or something, or some other heavy piece of furniture, and you really should get some help. And you're like, I think I got it. I got some straps. I think I should be good to do it. I've done that so many stinking times, like an idiot. I'm like, I should just call one of my four uh, strapping brother-in-laws uh, to, to come help me. And I'm like, I think I got it as I'm moving this dresser down the stairs. I'm going to die, you know. Putting a boat in the water. You're like, I don't need anyone to guide me. I, I got my mirrors, you know. Maybe changing a diaper. And often men will take help with that. They will say, actually, no, honey, why don't you take care of this for me? Listen. The only time we really feel like we need help is when we get sick, right? When men get sick, they're like down for the count. Like I need an IV, I need a, a group of nurses around and doctors. I may not make it. You know, I got a cold. It's just, this is the end right here. I see a light, you know. Um, and we may call it man pride, but really it's probably just pride in general is what it is. But it's in our nature, for men and women, by the way, it's in our nature as people to be self-reliant, to be self-reliant. To want to prove ourselves, um, to think that we know best, to trust in our own talents and abilities, to, to, uh, to trust in our own power and intelligence. Listen, I'm not saying everybody uh, uh, knows nothing. Listen, there's people that have so much intelligence and they do have a lot of strength and they do have a lot of talent and abilities, but oftentimes we get to a self-reliant part of our lives where we do want to prove ourselves. Maybe it goes back to something in our childhood, but we're like, we always are trying to prove ourselves, to prove that we're man enough, or strong enough, or smart enough. And because of that truth, that we are often striving to be self-reliant, a very important part of our worship as Christians is weakened. Because in our self-reliance, in our pride, in our desire to be the smartest person in the room, to, because of our, our self-trust in our lives, what often happens is we... Don't pray. We don't pray. We have been given the greatest opportunity for all of, in all of mankind to communicate with the God of the universe. What a gift. What an opportunity to, to talk, to have a relationship with, to communicate with the creator of the world. Jesus died for the relationship between us and God that we are often so apathetic about. 
He is, Jesus is the way to the Father. It's through Jesus Christ and his death he took upon, he took our sin upon himself, dying on a cross, and because of that death and resurrection, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect sinless life as the Son of God who was God, because of that sinless life and his death and resurrection, his righteousness was put upon us. So when God looks at you, child of God, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have a relationship with God. And Jesus died for that, all that he went through, and often still gets Guess what? I am so apathetic about my relationship with God. See, but you're the pastor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's t- listen, we get apathetic. We can talk to God. Do you hear that, what I just said? We can talk to God. Some of you don't even hear what I'm actually saying. When you think about that, if you really stop and think, like, what? we can actually talk to the Father. We can have a relationship with with God. Do, do I even realize what I'm saying when I flippantly say that? Even in another message, hey, we need to pray, we need to talk to God. We're, we're able to talk to God. The one who created all this, all these trees, all the world, we have the opportunity to talk to God. And often our prayer lives are completely empty and meaningless. They're just vain repetitions. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the different promises. Bless the day and bless my kid in Jesus' name. Pray, amen. It's like one long word. They lack heart. They lack depth. In some cases, our prayer lives may even be non-existent, where we just don't really even have a prayer life. We don't live lives of prayer. We don't carry an attitude of prayer, which the Bible says pray without ceasing in the book of uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians. And that doesn't mean pray 24 hours a day, because that's impossible, but have an attitude of prayer. Have a heart of prayer. We don't do that. We treat prayer like Tylenol, like Excedrin. That we only use it when absolutely necessary. When we can't bear the headache anymore, we take the medicine and we do prayer that way. We let ourselves get to the edge and we're like, I better pray. Lord, help me. And he's like, I've been here the whole time waiting for you to talk to me. Prayer should not be treated like Tylenol or like a medicine, but it should be treated like water. Knowing that we will perish without water. We can, we talked about worship last week, corporate worship. But worship in our daily lives, we can worship God through prayer. The book of Psalms that, we, that many of you love and know, and we sang a bunch of Psalms this morning, that was the Israelites' songbook of praise and prayer. Prayer is worship. When we sing to God, like we sang this morning, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, that's in our hearts should be a prayer. A prayer. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. You're holy. You're holy. We're, we're praying. We're worshiping. Psalm 100, if you have your, script, your Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to read it with you. Psalm 100, those scriptures are actually on the screen as well. Yes, it says this in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. We, we actually said these verses last week, talking about our worship in church. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You see that? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, bless his name. That's prayer. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Church, prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. There's a great old hymn that... that, uh, I grew up singing, and maybe you did as well. It's called Sweet Hour of Prayer. I want to read just one verse of it. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care. 
and bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief. And oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose strength and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. And this last verse, I love it. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Because there will come a day when we won't have to pray anymore because we'll be with Jesus. And that's what that last verse says. One day as I'm leaving this earth, as I'm on my way to heaven, farewell, goodbye, sweetheart, because I don't have to pray anymore. But while we're here, church, while we're here, we need to be people of prayer. And there's some things to consider when it comes to next level prayer, about prayer. How is prayer worship? Listen, real prayer, real, authentic, genuine, God-honoring, Lord-lifting-up prayer requires humility. Amen. And humility, in and of itself, real spiritual humility is worship by itself. Because what it is, is, listen, true humility is acknowledging that in every moment, we are in desperate need of God's ever-present, spirit-transforming grace. That is real humility. Read this in your heart again as I read it and think about it. True humility is acknowledging that in every moment, we are in desperate need of God's ever-present, spirit-transforming grace. So to worship God is to say, I'm not going to worship myself anymore. It's not about just me, what I want, what I think I need. I'm going to worship God. And to pray, so to pray to God is to say, I'm not trusting in me anymore. I'm, I'm not leaving it in my hands. Prayer abandons independence. Prayer uh, acknowledges weakness. Lord, I need you. I need you. I can't go through this world on my own. I need you. And that is why the worship we practice in prayer, it's just not natural for us. That's why almost probably every Christian to ever live, prayer has been a struggle. Prayer has been a battle. It's not natural for us to embrace our sin. It's not natural for us to embrace our weakness and failures. What is natural for us to do is to think that we're actually better than we are. To think that we got it all together. Prayer is giving up all other objects of worship and giving myself to the worship of God alone. Can I say that again, church? Prayer is giving up all other objects of worship and giving myself to the worship of God alone. And prayer is rooted in worship. It's rooted in worship. Prayer acknowledges God's existence. It's, it's, it's just... It's just the way it is. It's the bottom line of true prayer. This is the foundation of real prayer. Recognizing and believing that there's someone bigger in this life than you. 
It wouldn't make sense to pray if you thought that God wasn't real or that God was even just your equal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when we pray, really, we're going back to Genesis 1-1, the first verse in the Bible saying, I believe that there is a God, and he's not my equal. He created me. He created this whole world. Prayer acknowledges God's existence. Prayer bows to the glory of God. And this is a requirement of real, true prayer. Bowing to the glory of God. We must understand and believe that nothing, that no created glory in this physical world will ever satisfy our hearts. I'm talking about real, lasting satisfaction. I have an amazing wife. I love Marissa. I've loved her for decades. But guess what? She is not... I can't place my identity in her. She can't give me 100% full satisfaction for the whole, my entire life. And she knows that, and she's, she agrees. Because guess what, she's not perfect. And guess what, I'm not perfect, so I, I may fail her. I may disappoint her, but God never fails. So we have to understand that nothing in this world, nothing in this created world, in this physical world, will ever truly, eternally satisfy our hearts. Our hearts are only restfully content when we live for the glory of God. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's about Jesus to be restfully content, to be at peace in our hearts. A lasting peace only comes when we live for the glory of God. And real prayer bows to that glory. God, it's all about you. Prayer submits to God's plan. It submits to God's plan. It's not just asking God to endorse and resource your plans for your life. Can I say that again? Prayer, real prayer is not just asking God to endorse and resource your plans for your life. True, worshipful prayer is recognizing that the one who made this world, including you, knows what's best for you. True prayer recognizes that the creator of this world who created you knows what is best for you? I'm guilty of this often. Prayer is not filling out a list and asking God to sign it. Here's all the things that I need. God, you hear me? I got everything I need right here. I'll list it out. Help me out. Do it. You got to do it. Come on. Prayer is not filling out a list and asking God to sign it. It is giving God a blank sheet with your signature at the bottom and asking God to fill it out. God, I'll do whatever you want. We sang it a few weeks ago. Was it last week? Your way is better. I'm going to make room for you to do whatever you want to. I will make room for you. Because your way is better. Prayer is not just filling a list and saying, please sign this and take care of it all, Lord. It's, God, what do you want to do in my life? Whatever it is, I'll do it. The good, the bad, the ugly, God, whatever it is, I am yours. And this next thought is a tough one for me to swallow. Prayer is more than handing God a wish list and letting him know you're thankful he exists and has the power to deliver. Prayer is more than handing God a wish list and letting him know you're thankful he exists and has the power to deliver. Because that kind of prayer puts me at the center. We serve a big God. I'm not saying we don't pray for things. But we treat God often, instead of the, our Father but we treat him like a divine waiter. Hey, I'm, I need help over here. Hey, can you give me a refill? It's not, in times like that, it's not God that I want. It's 
not his wisdom that I see myself needing. It's not his grace that my heart craves in those moments. That kind of wish list type prayer essentially says, I know what's best for my life, and I'd appreciate it, God, if you would use your might to make it happen. I don't like it. Ooh. That kind of wish list type prayer says, I know what's best for my life. And God, since you're so powerful, I know you are, through your mic, can you just make this happen? Listen, God knows more about what I need than me. And it's easy to forget that. Ooh, can you say that? Can you, can you, can you read that again, church? God knows more about what I need, more about what I need than me. And it's easy to forget that. True prayer, by the way, does include making requests. I'm not saying we don't ask God for things. Okay? The Bible tells us we bring our requests and our petitions to God, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. We see instances in the Bible of answered prayer. I have situations in my life where I've asked God for specific things, material things, and he has provided those in amazing, miraculous ways. I'm not saying we don't ask God for things. But the requests of true prayer always include surrender and celebration. That's what keeps our requests from just being selfish demands or bitter complaints. It's surrender and celebration. God, whatever you do, I, I need this, Lord. I feel like in my life I need this. Listen, last spring, we needed a house, didn't we? We needed a house. We had nowhere to live. We had to be out of the, out of the um, what do you call it, the winter rental. And we had nowhere to go. And I said, God, I love you, I trust you, I'm surrendered to you, but God, I'm, I'm asking you to please provide for my family. We need somewhere to live. I, I know, you, I, I mean, unless you're leading me somewhere else. And I, I remember saying, Lord, if you want us to move, if you, if you need us to move somewhere else and, and, and close down the church, or, or I don't know, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm surrendered whatever you want, and I trust you, it's just really hard right now. And guess what? He did. He provided a home for us in a miraculous, amazing way. But it's always included surrender and celebration of whatever God does do. If God had led us somewhere else, in my heart, I hope that I would have the heart to say, Lord, I don't, this is painful and tough right now, but I'm trusting you to have something even better for us. Because your way is better. It's the grace of God that gives us the desire to pray. The welcome of God to pray and the promise that he will answer. That's the grace of God. Gives us even the desire to pray. Because I'll tell you, in my flesh, I don't want to pray. It takes time. Sometimes even it's, it feels awkward, even for me, your pastor. I need to be, listen, I try to pray for every one of you, week by week and day by day, by name. And sometimes life gets busy for me. And in my flesh, I don't want to make time and stop and slow down or get up really extra early before, you know, the kids are up. But it's the grace of God that gives us that desire to pray. Prayer celebrates God's grace. You rejoice at the fact that you do have a Heavenly Father. You're amazed at His almighty power that does meet your needs. You celebrate His grace, His grace that forgives, that forgiven us of our sins, His grace that rescues, His grace that transforms, His grace that enables, His grace that delivers. Prayer, real prayer, celebrates the grace of God. You rejoice in the fact that you don't have to look for life in people, in places, in situations, in, in, in locations, in, in things. You don't have to look for life in those things because you can find life. You've been given life, life eternal in Jesus Christ and through his death, burial, and resurrection. You rejoice and real prayer recognizes the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us life. He, prayer rests in God's provision. Listen, true prayer isn't spoken in a panic, 
but in a spirit of trust and rest. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that I haven't prayed in a panic and said, God, you've got to do it right now, like, ah. But when, but when the Lord, the Spirit of God, begins to slow my heart down, slow my heart rate down sometimes, too, and I say, he's going to take care of us. Oh, there were some scary days last year, guys, or this, earlier this year. There were some scary days when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. I'm like, man, we're, like, coming up on, like, two, three weeks, we've got to be out of this house, and I don't know what we're going to do. And there was some fear and concern, valid concerns of, like, I got four kids. It's not like it's just me and Marissa. We can get a one-bedroom studio. We, we, we have four children, four boys. And there was some, some fear there, and there was some concern, but I had to say, Lord, I can't wait to see what you do because this is way out of, it's been out of my hands for a long time. Prayer rests in God's provision. I know that he's near. I know that he is faithful, and I know that he is willing to meet my every need. That is real prayer that recognizes that he is there. He is willing. He is not just willing, but he's able, more than able, to meet my every need. Prayer, guys, lastly, is laying down your idols and kneeling before God in humble and joyful worship. It's laying down those things that take all of our attention. I love my family. I love my kids. I love my wife. But it's God who gave them to me. And what kind of dad would I be if I don't spend some time praying for the future of my children? What kind of husband am I if I don't stop and take some time, hopefully day by day, saying, God, protect my marriage? The enemy's out to get me. He's out to get my wife. He's out to get my kids. He would love it if they walked away from God. He would love it if they, if they got into something they shouldn't be getting into and, and started a, a pattern of, he would love that. So I need to be lifting up my kids, my wife, to the Lord. It's laying down idols. It doesn't mean we don't have hobbies, we don't have friends, we don't do anything. Listen, it's about balance. It's about saying, Lord, I'm going to make time for you. If you want to take your life to the next level spiritually, you have to be a person of prayer. Jesus died so that we could talk to the Father. So we could have a relationship with him. We must be a people of prayer. Hey, guess what? Coastline, as a, not just individually, yes, we need to be people of prayer, but we need to be a church of prayer. The Lord has smoked my heart recently over the last few weeks, saying, man, I remember when we were back in the in-law apartment, and it was different, it was different to set up, but the in-law apartment, after every service, We'd finish the message, we'd finish the invitation, the time, and, and we'd always take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and we'd get in groups afterwards and pray for God to give us a building and pray for God to bring us people and pray for God to see people saved and pray for God to bless our church. And guess what? We can look around and literally see physical answers to prayer. We're in one right now. We've seen God save souls. We had a beautiful baptism service a year ago where we baptized four believers We've seen God bring people. We've seen God answer prayers. And now as a church, I'm like, man, we're not even really making time to pray as a church. And the, the Lord said, Donald, man, you want to go to the next level as a church, you've got to be, you got to start praying. But here's, here's the problem. He's talking about laying down idols. I'm like, well, when are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How are we, we going to pray after service? Because then people have to get going to work and do this. Or we could do it Saturday nights, but people don't want to give up their Saturday nights to come and pray for a little bit. And guess what? I start having all these excuses in my mind of why we shouldn't, when in reality, we have to. We 
have to. Because what's, nothing's more important than the kingdom of God. God using you to further his kingdom. And we need to be people of prayer. We need to be here sometime during the week or every other week or sometime. I don't even know. I'd love some advice and some, some, some ideas. We need to make time as a church to get together and pray. And say, God, you've got to do something in our church. You've got to continue to grow us. Listen, we, we live, listen planting a church in the cave is no easy feat. I know of a good friend of mine that started a church right around the same time we did, and he just had to close the doors. He just couldn't make it. And that's not, oh, he did No, no, no. It's just, it's not easy. There are days when I think, man, what are we going to do? It's not easy. We need to pray. For our church, we need to pray for the other churches on the Cape, that God would bless them in their ministries, that God would see people saved in their ministries, and people in that the Cape uh, would just, man, flourish with the gospel. We need to be a church of prayer. And I've got to stop with the excuses of why, oh, I don't want people. No, we just have to do it. If it's just me here on a Saturday night, then so be it. I don't think it will be. We have got to do something, church. We've got to be people of prayer. And I will say, before it starts in the church, it needs to be in your life. It does start with the individual. It does start with you at home. When you wake up, when you go to bed, whenever it is, where you're taking time. And not just bringing the wish list, but saying, God, I love you and I need you. My kids need you. My, my spouse needs you. I want you to bless our church. I want you to bless our pastor. I want you to bless our volunteers and workers. I want you to bless the cave and use me. Spread the gospel for it. And, and whatever else you, you need to pray for and to worship God in. But it starts with you. It's about laying down idols and kneeling before God and humbling joyful worship. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.